Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, March 2nd edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We'll talk some NHL, we'll talk some golf, and we'll talk some NASCAR here on today's edition of the podcast over at ATS.io. The 2021 MLB betting guide has been up for a few days. It's getting a lot of run out there on social media. A lot of people excited to check that thing out, which is great for me to see, having put so much time and effort into putting together that guide. So read that over at ATS.io. There's a landing page with all of these team season previews. Then there's also pages with World Series, pennant, division futures, player futures stuff, a glossary of the stats that I use to handicap. And also, if you want, you can get that in a full PDF form on my Twitter page, at Skating Tripods, or you can email me, skatingtripods at gmail.com. That's not all that we have going on over at the website right now. Got a preview up this uh, this morning of the Pennzoil 400, this week's NASCAR race in Las Vegas. Did a golf preview yesterday. Daily NBA and college basketball picks from Alan Moody. Plus game previews, breakdowns, sportsbook reviews, all kinds of excellent content over at ATS.io. Very much encourage you to check all of that out. Also check out the ATS app, which you can download in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Full article integration. So my MLB betting guide is in that app for you to check out. But it's also a stats database to help you handicap. It's a bet tracker. You can look at odds from the legal U.S. sports books. A very powerful tool to have in the palm of your hand with that ATS app. So go to the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, search against the spread, and download that app today. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is Mr. Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, how's it going today, my friend? All right, Adam, a lot on the docket, buddy. And, uh, you know, the J.J. Watt thing gets us thinking that uh, football will be in the news pretty soon with free agency and the draft, and we'll get, get that as a running topic again. It only They only give you a couple of weeks off from football. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You don't get a lot of downtime from football. And, of course, conference tournaments starting already. We got the A-10 coming up tomorrow. I know that's a tournament you're very interested in and one that you'll do in a video for us over on our ATS YouTube page. Uh, much like we talked about on yesterday's show, odds going up very slowly for these conference tournaments. So that's been a little bit frustrating. But once we get those, you'll put together a video and we'll have an A-10 look over on our ATS YouTube page. Do you do a lot with college basketball in general or just sort of start attacking it now with conference tournaments and then, of course, the NCAA tournament? Oh, no, all year long. I mean, the bottom line is, um, no, I'm going to keep tabs on all of it, but I focus – for the most part, on some crazy things. Uh, you know, I like the A-10. I like the Metro Atlantic, and I like the MAC. And, uh, you know, the MAC has been basically it's ridiculous. You play, they play their games over. The, the, the scoring across the board in the MAC has been ridiculous. Um, St. Bonaventure, I follow very closely. He's treating me pretty well in the A-10. 
and the Metro Atlantic years of actually having covered that league with Canisius and Niagara, you know, just, just get, it's funny. I think you, I would suggest to anybody that, you know, if you focus on several teams by focusing on several teams, the tentacles of who they play, it gives you a frame of reference for many games inside that league. So even though focusing on three leagues means you're, you're focusing on, you know, upwards of their, say on a Saturday, it could be seven, eight games that you actually have an opinion on because you've been following that league per se. No, it's an excellent point. And that's something we talk about very early in the college basketball season with regards to specialization. And for you, it's geographic in nature, you know, a Buffalo guy. So you followed uh, the MAAC, you followed St. Bonaventure, and then by extension, the A-10, as you said, and of course the Mac, it's a good way to do it. You know, the news is easily accessible. It's from people that you're kind of already following anyway. And, you know, narrowing your focus to maybe 30 teams instead of 350 teams is still a good way to make money in college basketball. So it's always a good thing to reinforce here on the show, whether that's with you or during one of our college basketball segments. So I think it's a really important thing for listeners out there. And again, once you get to this point, you know, of conference tournaments, I'm sure you do pretty well with those, taking a look at some of those futures prices, but also those times where a team's playing a team for, you know, maybe the third time that season or something like that. Right, but then you get the championship week, and uh, which I think is spectacular in a normal, normal year. It's like the Thursday and Friday of March Madness, which is the highlight of the tournament, and then it kind of, the, the excitement level for me kind of dwindles down. <laughs> uh, I, I love the David versus Goliath aspect of it, but that one and done kind of thing but you also then you get to the championship week and you get teams that are cornered rats they're facing elimination you're going to get their level best shot you know some teams run for the bus some teams you know cover and lose and that's the end of it uh sometimes you get the upset and then they go on a little tootsie roll so uh championship week's great and then then that brings more teams into the equation because now you're watching that conference tournament which is on display on television and all of a sudden you spot something in, you know, one of the early round games that gets you something that could get you two or three games during the run of a conference tournament. Yeah, no, excellent point there. Definitely something for us to follow as these conference tournaments move along. And, and as I said, you'll be doing some conference tournament preview videos for us over on our ATS YouTube page. Look out coming up this weekend for the major conferences from Brian, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, and SEC. Should have some coverage of those here coming up this weekend over on our YouTube page. But Brian, let's get into the NHL side of things here and talk about what we plan to discuss on today's show. And there was something that you brought up to me before we started recording here with regards to last night's game between Minnesota and Vegas and a totals angle that you've been following pretty closely here. Well, all year long, said there, there are about five or six, there are many, many tried and true angles in the NHL. Then there's this year, where there are some new ones that we thought would work that have worked for the most part. They're not perfect. Uh, said teams back end of a long road trip, mentally kind of checking out, wanting to get a road trip off to a good start is a good one. And when teams face each other at the start of a new series, over in the first game, under in the second game, they're playing these back-to-back games. But then there was one that at this late stage of the year, it was the first time that Vegas and Minnesota had played at all. 
first time, first meeting of the year. And, oh, by the way, it was the first game that would have fans in the building with 2,600 fans, which meant the Golden Knights were going to be all jacked up and that Minnesota was on a six-game winning streak and they were going to be all jacked up and the crowd would help. And the total was five and a half. I thought the total should have been, and Flurry's playing great. You know, I thought the total should have been six. It was five and a half. Well, it's nothing, nothing after one. And then in the second period, it was like an explosion. It was 4-2 after two. Uh, the game ends up being 5-4. So um, if that if that rule of thumb holds true, they went for it and they got after it. Now they know each other and the next game and, you know, both goalies are, I think maybe Minnesota may change their goalie, but I think teams make adjustments once they get to know each other and the game, albeit there's a lot of skill out there, but I, I think uh, the game would tighten up. And then the odds are you got a total of five and a half in the first game, thought that the total should have been six or six and a half in the first game. Now the result of the game was five, four, they'll probably make the total for the second game, six, and the next game's probably going to be like a 3-1-3-2 kind of game. Well, and then another one that you mentioned in passing there a little bit was, you know, team in the last game of a road trip. And you actually just read, you quote tweeted this on Twitter right before the show, the Flames and the Senators and the Flames during the warm-up before the game. And obviously, you know, this was in the highlight package. So it's not something that we were privy to before the game was actually played. But Calgary just kind of floating around, just doing stupid shit during the warm-up, you know, uh, Monahan gets hit in the side of the face with a puck. Uh, it was just, it was a mess for Calgary. And then they went out and lost five to one in the last game of a six game road trip. And that was another one of those angles too, where, you know, the senators in the previous game, and they had played three straight here. Uh, the senators in the previous game lost six to three, gave up six goals, got kind of embarrassed an angle that you've been looking at here to play on teams in bounce back situations. Them and specifically a team bounce back. Ottawa specifically has done that and on, on those instances where they get absolutely torched and embarrassed, they do bounce back with a good effort, but yeah, I mean, so it's almost like, you know, you're sitting there with like a little mini inside your head, a little laundry list and a lot of boxes were checked, checked in that regard. But yeah, I mean, I, the, the, the pregame warmup thing that really does kind of tell you something like they weren't even there. I was like, what are they doing? They're crashing into each other you know, carelessly flipping the puck at the net, hit Monahan in the face. They had four guys fall down skating around in circles before the game. At the end of a long road trip, because who knows what it's like for these guys. Like I said, I, I'm a lot more forgiving of whatever happened last year. Tampa Bay won. They dealt with it, and they, they were they were the you know probably the stud team anyway. But to sit there and say how teams dealt with that bubble – you know, these guys are stuck in hotel rooms, or if you're up there for six weeks, yeah, you know, how many times can you walk by the ping pong table before you want to throw the ping pong table through the window? And on the six game road trip, these guys are rinking room, rinking room. They can't go anywhere. They can't even go to another player's room. The Capitals tried that and it was a disaster. So, like, mentally, after a four, I maybe I put the number four on it, but anything beyond that, a five or a six game road trip or even longer. The last game of the road trip, those guys' head is on the bus and the plane. I mean, they are out of there. They want to get home to their family. And yeah. it it happened last night. I mean, and, you know, we're citing that it happened last night. I will tell you it's happened a dozen times already. Yeah, I think it's definitely something you absolutely want to factor in the equation. And, and we'll talk about Tuesday night's card here in a second. But just looking at one spot specifically here, I mean, Colorado losing 6-2 to San Jose last night. 
you've got to think on Wednesday you get Colorado's best foot forward. So you'd be laying a pretty heavy number in that game. They were over a $2 favorite on Monday night against San Jose. They'll be in that same range, I would presume, on Wednesday. But you've got to think Colorado, after losing 6-2 on Monday, they're probably going to put forth a good effort, maybe a first-period puck line or something like that here on Wednesday. The one thing about Colorado, I still think they're the team that can win the Cup. There's one problem with Colorado that always seems to be the case here. They're, They're by far the fastest team in the league. But they get beat up, and if they're healthy, I think they're the team. But they've been dealing with a rash of injuries. And you also, they also had a letdown. They had the four-game set with Vegas and the outdoor game. Uh, they lost the last game of that series, and Vegas really kind of circled the wagons, didn't want to go one and three in that four-game set. But then after, after that four-game set with Vegas, they lost 6-2 to Minnesota. Uh, then they got their act together against Arizona and then stubbed their toe in this San Jose thing. McCarr's still hurt. So they're dealing with some squirrely stuff right now. At the moment, Colorado's a little squirrely team. I, they're I'm, hard to trust is a weird way to say it, but to, to know you're getting their best. The one thing that is, I would say, right now you can trust is San Jose scoring and San Jose can't stop anybody. San Jose's last four games, 5-4, win over the Blues, lose to the Wild 6-2, lose 7-6 to St. Louis and win 6-2 to Colorado. These games are ridiculous. They're just, it's pond hockey in San Jose. Yeah, and Colorado was up 2-0 last night, gave up six unanswered. And maybe that's a live betting angle too here, where when something kind of turns a little bit in these games, you either you have another game coming up against that team, or maybe it's one of the other factors that we've talked about previously of last game of a road trip, something like that, where you know, when a team gets behind, if they're behind by a couple of goals going into the third period, you may not see that kind of effort level. And this was a 2-2 game after two, but it was obvious that the game had flipped. San Jose puts a four spot up in the third period. So maybe that's a live betting angle to kind of look at, too, of well, these teams uh, maybe not playing the full 60. I think, you know, if you've got the wherewithal to do that, that's the way to sit there and monitor, a, a, you know, Who's laying a dollar ninety or two dollars in a hockey game when there's a dozen games and there's all these opportunities on the board? But you know that maybe that's the way to play. You sit there and you're watching this, a game where a team's a two dollar favorite, and you sit there and you just watch and you wait and you, and you hope you hope the underdog gets the first goal, and then then you bet the team in game. Yeah, they're down a goal, but you're, you're laying minus. You're maybe you're laying twenty cents at that point, um, and maybe the two goal lead in hockey is seen a lot of teams come back from two goals down two goals. You know, if they get down two, you're going to get plus a dollar 40 or something. I mean, maybe that's the way to sit there and just cherry pick a big favorite. Hope they just don't score the first goal of the game. Now it doesn't mean they're always going to come back, but they're probably going to come back in probably if you said over the course of a long season, a $2 favorite, if they're down the first goal, probably still come back and win the games maybe more than 50% of the time. Yeah, I think it's definitely a good way to look at it. I don't want to ruin your day here before it gets started, but I wrote about this in my situational spots piece over at ATS.io, which you can check out every week with regards to both the NHL and the NBA. But if the Buffalo Sabres don't show up tonight after how poorly things have been going, after all the criticism about them over the weekend – 
they may not show up at all again throughout the course of this season. Yeah, I, I don't. I I don't trust that they will. Uh, I think in a normal year, the the coach's job's on the line tonight, um, and a massive trade or cuts and whatever is is coming any minute. Uh, they were a complete no show in the weekend against the Flyers, and it's it's beyond belief. I mean, you've got Jeff Skinner making nine million dollars, hasn't scored a goal in a calendar year. He was benched a few games in a row. Eichel got hurt or it was announced in the pregame warm-up. He wasn't going to play the other night. So even though you'd bench Skinner, what better spot to put the guy back in the lineup to try, to try to get some offense and maybe say to the guy, we need you, and he gets going, and Kruger keeps him benched. They signed Taylor Hall, or Hall signs a one-year $8 million deal with the Sabres, and he is literally – he should just be out there with a, with a brick of money in his hand and in every shift he's on the ice, that money should be on fire. He is, he's costing himself a fortune. These guys have run for the bus. It's brutal. They needed to upgrade their goaltenders. Olmark is good. He's okay. Now he's hurt. It's, 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 a, it's an unmitigated disaster. It's sickening. The fans have washed their hands of it, and it's, the most, it's one of the most passionate fan bases in all of sports. I mean, I'm, you know. I can't help myself. I'll probably watch it. But, you know, the Sabres game on the weekend got in the way of a perfectly good golf tournament and a car race. Well, I mean, this is a city where, you know, I've heard season ticket holder retention rates well up in the 90% range. And and I'm a Sabres fan. We've talked about this on the show before. Uh, I don't know why I'm still a Sabres fan, but I am. And I still follow this team very closely. And, you know, it's, it's been painful from afar. I'm sure it's even more painful up close. And, you get the Rangers tonight, not a great team by any means. And then on Thursday, they actually start a run of three straight games against the New York Islanders, who have already kicked their ass multiple times this season. I think they've got, what, two shutouts against Buffalo. They've just dominated the Sabres. So if they don't show up tonight, and then they roll over and die again this weekend against the Islanders, I mean, this team is absolutely toxic, and I, I don't think you could bet on them at all whatsoever the rest of this season. No, and uh, no, and I, yeah, I, I don't think you run into the window to bet the side in any way, shape, or form. The one thing I would say, if they show up, see, they can't score five on five, which is utterly beyond belief. The, I mean, there's more than enough offense there, but they do have the top power play in the league, which is true. It, I mean, they they throw it around on a swing on a string, and Olafson has got one of the best one timers in the league on the power play. Hutton's going to be the goalie, and he's sketchy at best. Uh, they're making the total five and a half in the game, just on the premise that Buffalo could get some power play goals. I think I, I if they show up, I mean, this, can a scoreless streak go three games in a row? I guess it could, but I'd probably play over five and a half in the game if they they show up with any ounce of professional pride or trying to keep their job. Um, I think they can score tonight, but they probably can't stop the other side i like the over in the game that's uh, a fairly big card tonight in the nhl and there's what eight games this evening anything else on the betting board that you're taking a look at for tonight uh back-to-back nights um and carolina is still a favorite a dollar 20 on the road at nashville carolina to me the rub is tampa bay's kind of their kryptonite but i think carolina is a team that's capable of winning the stanley cup and 
I'm kind of like Carolina, even though they had to play last night. Great game against Florida, and Florida continues to play well. Carolina tied it late. I think I think goalie was pulled. They tied it and then uh, won it on a beautiful goal by Nekas in overtime. I kind of like Carolina to, get, to go into Nashville and get the win in that game. And let's double check on the back-to-back nights. Uh, you're looking at Reimer versus Rene. I, I think it could be a sneaky, weird game. First game of a, a new set that I, I think uh, Carolina in the over, kind of like that. All right. Looks good to me. Sounds good to me. Let's transition over to the golf side of things here then and head down to Florida to the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. And you know, last week, exceptional field for the WGC event. We talked about it here on the show. Colin Morikawa was in the 45 to one range. You don't see Morikawa at that price. Of course he goes and wins the tournament. So we may never see Morikawa at that price again, but last week we had a phenomenal field for the WGC event. This week's field is good, but not great. You have the players championship coming up next week. Guys kind of hesitant to play a lot of events in short order here with the masters and, you know, sort of the uh, the major schedule coming up here a little bit. We do have Rory here. He's your plus 850 favorite. DeShambo and Hovland, your co-second favorites, 12 to 1. Hatton and Reed next on the board at 18 to 1, rattling these off here from DraftKings. Shop around for the best prices. I've seen Patrick Reed 20 to 1, 22 to 1 out there, something like that. But Brian, Bay Hill here is a lot of guys don't like to play this course because it's very tough. You got the Bermuda greens here. Uh, you know, a very challenging layout. Even though this is a pretty big event, an invitational tournament, a good prize pool, and of course, you know, the name Arnold Palmer carries a lot of weight in golf. There's still a lot of guys that just, they shy away from this tournament. They don't want to play it. Well, I mean, you get that closing stretch. It can be pretty daunting, but there are guys in Florida, I'll tell you right now, and I, I love it even more uh, down the road. I don't see him this week. Even before he, the prowess and the role he's been on, for like the last five years, even through the wrist injury, the Daniel Berger always shows up at the Honda Classic. So mark that one down. Uh, that's what is that next week or a couple of weeks? I think it's two weeks. Next week's two. the players. Oh, that's right. Next week's the players. Uh, so yeah, like Berger and the Honda Classic, there are certain guys that just always play well in Florida. Uh, listen, Horschel is a Florida guy. He played great. Cameron Smith. I, yeah, I know you had mentioned Morikawa last week, which was wonderful. Uh, I had Smith and uh, Scheffler. Smith had the big lead. I love that course, by the way. That guys could go low, but if there was a triple or a quadruple bogey sitting out there on some of those holes. Cam Smith looked like he was on a dead run to win the thing, and he he just exploded. That was a that was a treat to watch the guys go up and down the ladder. But Horschel's a Florida guy playing really really well. Um, I think maybe that, you know, could take a little bit out of them. But I think there's price plays in here you could take a long, hard look at. The one guy we also mentioned last week, and the price is down. I think he was 50 or 60 to 1 last week. Louis Oosthuizen's in good form. In a field like this, with as you mentioned, you know, the a lot of the top guys necessarily aren't here. Fitzpatrick's in good form. Oosthuizen, I think, is in good form. Maybe the price is a little bit low on Louis. I got a couple of bombs, though, that I think you could take a long, hard look at. Brandon Grace won the Puerto Rico Open, the Arts Alternate Field event, and they're throwing 101 at you on Brandon Grace, who just won a tournament against a weaker field. But 
And the other guy that got it going on Sunday, which a lot of times translates into the next week, and a lot of times it flies under the radar. They showed one shot of him. And in fact, and while we're talking, I can kind of try to look this up. Uh, Brendan Todd went and had a great round on Sunday. And a lot of times these guys on Sunday, you're out of contention, but and they're out there and they're, they're loose as a goose and they're not contending for the win, but they have a great round. They're out there trying to figure out what the hell they're doing wrong. And that's over the course of four days. And Todd figured it out on Sunday, very early in the day, and they showed a shot of him go, oh, by the way, one of the early guys having a great round is 500 pars, Brendan Todd. Well, okay, mark that down because that means maybe he's found something and next week he's in good form and he shouldn't be 100 to 1. The home run I'm going to go for, though, is Sebastian Munoz is sitting on the board at 125 to 1. And he, I think two years ago, was like 42nd. Last year, he, or no, I'm sorry, his recent tournaments, he's in the 40s. Uh, last week, he was in the 20s, kind of flying under the radar. But in the back third of last year, Sebastian Munoz was on the first page of a lot of leaderboards. And he's a guy that is, is capable of going low. He's ranked 59th in the world. He's 70th in FedEx Cup points. And at the moment, current form isn't the greatest. But the last couple of weeks, he's he's making progression. And again, in this deflated field, I there's something telling me Sebastian Munoz is going to be a contender this week. And 125 to one's a ridiculous price. Yeah, you know, we talk about this in terms of going price hunting, you know, before the tournament starts and then kind of looking to find some guys as the tournament gets going. I will say of the short prices, I do like Patrick Reed this week. Patrick Reed really well in birdie or better percentage on par fours. And that's important here because a lot of these par fours at Bay Hill, par is a good score. If you can do better than par, that's excellent. So I like Reed. He's third in birdie or better percentage on par fours. Couple top 15 finishes in his three starts here. Second in strokes gain putting. That'll be very important this week. So Reed is one of the short price guys that I do like here. Uh, for this week's tournament not taking a whole lot of shots uh, at outright winner guys but I will give you one here and in fact his price has gone down a little bit he's 90 to 1 at DraftKings 100 to 1 at BetMGM Emiliano Grio is a guy that I like here this week he's in decent form he's played relatively well here did miss the cut last year got disqualified because he signed an incorrect scorecard but he was going to miss the cut anyway but 13th in strokes gained off the tee, 5th in GIR percentage. The putting, a bit of an issue, but that's why he's 100-1. to 1. So Griot, a guy that I kind of like, is one of my long shot prices here this week, Brian. But you know, when you look at this tournament overall, and, and you kind of look at this field and sort of the way that this thing is setting up, you know, I think that you've got the opportunity to get some long shot prices in contention going into the weekend and then find some really good players like a Sungjae Im, who's got back-to-back third-place finishes here. Maybe that's a guy that you can get a little bit higher than 25 to one going into Saturday, or maybe you can take Hovland who's out of this world right now. I think six straight top six finishes for Hovland. So if he's four or five shots back going into Saturday, he's not 12 to one. He's maybe 18 or 20 or 22, something like that. So the way this thing is setting up, I think you'll get a very good player Friday night into Saturday morning that you can kind of pair with some of these long shot grabs. Now, Full disclosure, I don't remember. Now we can find it out. 
but the projected winning score that they put up at the Superbook is 275 and a half. All right. So um, what are you looking at? 288, 13. You're, you're looking at 13 under. They're saying is the, is the projected winning score. Now, I don't know if wind was the issue last year or what the deal was, but last year Ty Hatton won. He was four under par. I mean, it was like more along the lines of a major. If you, uh, Leishman was a runner-up at three. Sung Jm was at two under. Shambo was at one under. Uh, <laughs> I'd I'd certainly be inclined to play under that score. Uh, you know that the the winning score would be certainly less than thirteen under par. One other name I guess I can throw out here, and and this is another one who looks like he's taking a little bit of action this week because his price has gone down. Francesco Molinari. I mean. I remember not that long ago, this guy was up in triple digits and, and he's found something. I don't know what it is, but all of a sudden he is in phenomenal form. Three top 10 finishes in his last four events plays well here as well. He's played very well uh, in this tournament before. So, you know, look, I mean, it, it's tough because you're sitting there thinking, well, this guy was a hundred to one, you know, a couple of months ago. Now he's down to 30 to one. But like you said, these guys have form cycles where they play well, you know, three, five, seven tournaments in a row, something like that. Then they kind of lose it a little bit, have to find it again. Right now, Molinari is just in one of those with a win in 2019 here where he's just playing out of his mind. So maybe 30 to one's not that bad of a look on him. Uh, well, I mean, he's a world-class player. I mean, I don't, I think it was the COVID thing more than anything, just kind of derailed him and, and he got away from it. The one guy actually I'm, I'm looking at, now that I think about him is always there. Hatton's the defending champ. But the other guy who is, for the most part now, no longer, you know, a European tour guy, he's here all the time. Who's on the first page of the leaderboard every week? Matthew Fitzpatrick is 16, is, is the, the 16th ranked player in the world. And every week he's there. Every week he's on the first page of the leaderboard. You know, winning is is a different deal, but there, I think there's a part of it where these European tour guys come over. Remember Matt Wallace tried that, and, and he was on a tootsie roll on the European tour, but he was grinding away. But now you start to cycle through this now, and you're part of the you know you're a PGA Tour player now. You know Fitzpatrick twenty five to one is a good price for a guy that is literally on the first page of the leaderboard virtually every week. Well, I think, too, something you could attack with a guy like Fitzpatrick if you wanted to, first-round leader. He's 40-1 to for the first-round leader. And, and yeah, over four days, you you certainly expect the better players to, you know, level out, make adjustments, all of that. But Fitzpatrick is a guy that seems to start pretty fast and then over the weekend kind of winds up with his little hiccups and his little issues here and there. So that first-round leader market, I think, is something that's available, widely available at pretty much all the U.S. sports books now. That's are you looking, are you, are, you, are you staring at that? Are you looking at that right now? I am. All right. Because I, I, that's that, – whatever. It's not offered around here. But uh, I would just tell you the guy, if you're going to just for giggles take a shot at something, what is Brendan Todd to Brendan be the leader at the first round? 80 because to 1. 80 to 1. I mean, this is the guy, if, if what I – saw holds true Todd carries the momentum he had on Sunday and he goes out in the first round and throws darts again and builds off that last round on Sunday you know him winning the tournament is is a whole different animal 
but coming out of the gate and you know putting a number up in the first round and he that's what he did in the first third of last year so Todd was a you know Todd was a guy that was a contender for a long time kind of tailed off but if he found something believe me he's he's one of the best putters on tour if, if he's hitting greens he can make the putts that, that, that that's not the worst five ten bucks you ever spent in your life no, absolutely not. So just to recap here, I know we talk about a lot of different names usually during this segment. Uh, Patrick Reed, the short price that I like here this week. Molinari, another one on my list. Then Emiliano Grio, a guy that I would take a look at from a future standpoint. One other prop for me, I kind of like Corey Connors to miss the cut. That's about plus money, about plus 185, plus 190. You have to putt well at Bay Hill. Corey Connors does not putt well. Good ball striker, awful putter. So I kind of like Connors to miss the cut here this week. And you can attack a lot of different props, head-to-head matchup markets, all of that. Some of the guys Brian's looking at here, Fitzpatrick on the list for him, uh, Louis Oosthuizen, a guy with some interest, Billy Horschel as well. Then you mentioned a couple of the longer shots. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm fading Horschel. I, I think okay, Horschel, oh, okay. I'm, I'm fading Horschel. I mean, he plays great in Florida. I think, you know, uh, that was a tough – I mean, he, <laughs> he was grinding that. I think that would have been a, a – tough for him to come back again no i i think munoz is the one it's to me i this is the bomb I, I i don't know why just they keep staring at sebastian munoz is a guy you got to take a look at and now late as we talk about it fitzpatrick and maybe the brendan todd to be the first round leader yeah brendan todd 100 to 1 to win the tournament 80 to 1 to be the first round leader there and we'll have plenty of thoughts next week for the players championship as well that's kind of the unofficial fifth major they sort of call it so we'll have a lot to talk about with that tournament as well we'll wrap up here for this show talking some nascar brian as this one out in your backyard here in las vegas motor speedway and uh what's the the fan allotment that they're gonna have this week oh i saw it i, I think it's like twelve thousand. it's ridiculous i mean it's you know it's a cavernous place they, i think they could have more people there but fans nonetheless it's a start and you know for the event last week i i honestly I really, I, I kind of want to cry a little bit about it. I, I remember we did the show last week and said, listen, we're back to mile and a half tracks, Hamlin, Harvick, and those guys. But of all the people, said, if there's somebody in the number was kind of telling you, watch out, they could contend, it was Tyler Reddick. So I had Tyler Reddick at 25 to 1, and I'm watching this race all day long, and I, I can't even see him on the leaderboard. Like, you know, in the 18th, 20th, like, where is he? Uh, and he had a bright orange car, and I kept looking for him, looking for him waiting for one pit strategy to get him up. Geez, I don't know, Adam, if you watched the race. All of a sudden, 25 laps to go. All they're focusing on is Tyler Reddick. He's running the high line, hugging the wall. He was 20 seconds back. And with five laps to go, he's, he, he, he couldn't get by Truex for third. And he kind of stalled out a little bit. Well, he ends up it runs second. You know, three seconds behind the the eventual winner. I'm like, where was this guy all day? I'm, so I'm telling you, Tyler Reddick is a pedal to the metal guy. But when you look at the winners of this race, go back starting in 2014. Keselowski, Harvick, Keselowski, Truex, Harvick, Keselowski, Logano, Truex, Logano. The last nine races. There's only been four guys that have won this race. I, I don't know that you go anywhere off that list. It's one of those four. The one thing I will say that's really interesting here is that Tyler Reddick is back up to 50 to one this week at draft. Oh, I'm coming back with him. 
And, and this is one of those things where, you know, Reddick had a couple of good finishes, if I remember correctly, at Homestead, Miami, and his price got depressed. And because he hasn't done anything really at Vegas in, in the you know limited appearances that he's had, his price suddenly goes back up, even though clearly he had a good car last week. So that's something that's really interesting to me is, you know, like we talk about all the time with golf about course form versus recent form and, and you know, all of that. We know there are some guys that just fare better on certain tracks. Maybe it's the distance. Maybe it's the racing line, the surface, who knows? Maybe they just feel comfortable there, but like, there's no reason that Reddick was what 20 to one, something like that, 20 or 25 to one last week. And now right. he's 50 to one. Like he ran second. Why? I, I don't know. I, you want an answer? I don't know. But the number last week was telling you he had a live car. And what would be the massive difference last week to this week? I, I think you spread it out. There, there You look at the prices on these four guys that I said have won the last nine races. But you, clearly, if you're looking at a guy, I think Tyler Reddick's going to win a race this year. That's what I said to you last week. And, you know. I, I'm literally begging. I'm, I'm watching. The, my wife happens to walk in. It's the last ten laps, and I go, "How many? How many times? How many times have I lost a race where I've got the guy winning a race and a yellow comes out? You know, just once can I get the yellow flag and win the race? Because if if the yellow flag came out, Tyler Reddick's gonna win the race, and they just go around for you know the next fifteen minutes like a parade through town." If you got paid for getting guys that finished second in NASCAR or golf, I mean, you oh my you'd be a very wealthy man. Uh, well, the <laughs> I hate was, to bring that up, but it's it's, well, the, like, no, I, it's no, a it's, weekly thing for you. It's unbelievable. It's, it is unbelievable. I, I you know, but the thing is, thankfully, Vegas is about to offer uh, by the end of the year. This, I've been begging for this for a decade. They'll start. They're going to start doing the top five in golf. You know. So if, like if I like so like for argument's sake, what like what could happen is Sebastian Munoz is a you know a co-leader after the third round or he's three back or whatever, and he comes right there and he bogeys sixteen and falters and Sebastian Munoz finishes fourth. Well, he's one hundred and twenty-five to one, but if you could get fifty to one on Sebastian Munoz to finish in the top five, you think I'm not going to be jumping all over that? That that. That's the thing. I mean, I, I'm praying the day comes sooner rather than later where that stuff starts getting offered around here. Well, and, and you know, with this NASCAR race specifically, and we talked about this a little bit on last week's show, you had Homestead, Miami, mile and a half track, Vegas, mile and a half, Phoenix is a little over a mile, Atlanta's a mile and a half track. Then you get Bristol, Martinsville, Richmond, Talladega, before you get another mile and a half track, and that's in Kansas. I think there's only six of the mile and a half races here. And we're just now into March, Brian, and your playoff drivers are Michael McDowell, Christopher Bell, and William Byron. So if I'm one of these guys, and you talked about that list of drivers that have done really well at Las Vegas, you know, I, I feel like, okay, I'm probably going to accumulate the points by the end of the year, but I'd rather get this win and kind of get it over with. There's some heightened urgency, I think, for guys like a Keslowski, like a Logano, guys that you know have to win on these mile-and-a-half tracks that – they ain't winning a road course. You know, they're not winning a short track because those are usually the the Gibbs guys like Hamlin or, you know, Truex or Bush, somebody like that. There's a little bit of extra added incentive for some of those guys that do have the shorter prices here this week. 
to you know get this win out of the way on a mile and a half track. And yes, great point. And I think the other thing you could look at, obviously, is if you say, okay, that list of guys I gave you are the likely winner is coming out of there. The one thing I would look at, or what I've seen through a few races, like I'd look at matchups. I think Kyle Larson is running real hard. Blaney always has a good car. Uh, car. You look at the matchups. Larson minus a dime against Logano. I wouldn't do it. Larson versus Ryan Blaney minus a dollar twenty. I'd steer clear because I think Blaney's car is good. But Larson laying a dollar twenty to Kyle Busch, who really is is you know. <laughs> He, he won the road course event before the Daytona, but he really was running third and won because of an ax. I'd look at Larson maybe in that matchup, but the other one, and maybe this is playing with fire, but Hamlin and Truex have run pretty well here in the first few races. At least they've been pretty prominent. The one guy that's been eerily absent has been Kevin Harvick. Now, Harvick's thirty against Elliott. Harvick's $1.30 against Truex. And Harvick is $1.30 against Hamlin. So the you know, the odds makers are telling you Harvick's the car this week, but I am not so sure. I'm wondering if 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 you go against I'll say this, and Harvick will probably win the race, but <laughs> but, but, but through the first three races, something's just been amiss with Kevin Harvick. Yeah, I mean, he's got three top six finishes, but he's not really been in position to do a whole lot. I mean, he only has 15 stage points. You know, he's second in points, but only 15 stage points. Hamlin, by the way, with 47 stage points. He's won three stages already. But yeah, Harvick's finished well at the end, and it's kind of obscured the fact that he really hasn't had that great of a car, hasn't been running at the front of the pack for the stages. He's just kind of been there at the end. He's sort of avoided any wrecks or anything like that. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's a bad way of looking at it. And, and for Kevin Harvick, too, I mean, look, Phoenix is next week. So, you know, he probably figures, all right, I'll get Phoenix, and then we'll just kind of go about the rest of the season and sort of go on our way. I, I like Logano this week. You know, Logano has won this event back-to-back years, so there is that. But coming off the really disappointing 25th last week at Homestead, Miami, that's a guy that, you know, it does seem like fortune favors the bold at Las Vegas. The guys that take chances are going to do really well on this track. Logano is hyper aggressive. I kind of like that. I like Larson a little bit in this one as well. He's at 10 to one out there, but I will say this. I think it's four of the last five in this race. And one of the three in the playoff race have been Fords. So I don't know if I have the stones to do this, but judging with what's kind of happened already here so far, Eric Almarola at 40 to one Cole Custer at 66 to one, if Ford does well here, and we've already seen some winners kind of off the board to begin with, I may take a small piece. Like you said, maybe not the worst five or ten dollars I've ever spent on a couple of those guys. Well, and I'm gonna I'll, I'll call my shot here. I think he he's just he's really aggressive, and I still think he's got a stone in his shoe from Daytona. I'll call my shot here of of the contenders. I'm gonna go with Keselowski at ten to one. I, I think he's he's running hard right now, and he's had past success here, and he's got a good car every week. I'll, I'll take, I'm going to take a shot with Keselowski would be my a small small piece of Reddick just in case, but Harvick uh, Keselowski will be my guy. I guess the, the last thing I'll ask here is, you know, 
we talked about this, that they added some road courses. They got a dirt race coming up at Bristol here after the race in Atlanta. They've done a lot of things to sort of, I guess, for lack of a better term, increase the drama, kind of create a little bit more parody here in NASCAR, where, again, you know, there was a set of three drivers last year. I think Hamlin, Harvick, and Elliott won 16 of the 26 regular season races or something like or 16 of the 36 races, something like that. They've gotten what they want. I mean, they haven't had the household names win the races in McDowell, Bell, and Byron, but it's been chaotic. It's It's been, you know, fun to watch, fun to follow, and yes. this is exactly what they were hoping to achieve, and, and I'm curious to see how it kind of goes moving forward, especially because, you know, Jimmy Johnson retired, Clint Boyer retired. Some of these guys are kind of aging out now a little bit, where Kyle Busch, Maybe he won't be around that much longer. Hamlin's in his 40s. Harvick, same thing. Bell and Byron getting wins is kind of that next wave of NASCAR well, drivers. It's a good start for the for the no, circuit as a whole, I think. Last year, when you think about it, it was boring. It was Harvick and Hamlin every week. I mean, it was boring. I mean, and, and it's, it is good to see different names that are up there. And It's hard from a betting standpoint, though. <laughs> yeah, but I, I would rather that. I, I, I would rather, you know... You know, it's always like, oh, who's got the Hendrick engine? It's like, why, why is, why do these cars tower over these other cars? You, you would think it would behoove NASCAR that the the, the playing field is leveled out. Um, where you love the restrictor plate races because God knows what could happen. I mean, wouldn't that be nice if that was the case in all the mile and a half tracks? I mean, it's not reality. It's not going to happen. I think you you whittle it down to six or seven guys that can realistically win, unless there's a big accident or someone does some quirk, quirky goofball. Well, that's a, that's how the Custer kid won his race last year, right? With an alternate pit strategy and something goofy and a green white checker. And he held them off. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's been fun. Like I said, from a betting standpoint, it's a real challenge in terms of trying to pick winners right now. But like you said, you attack the matchups, you attack the group play, you find different alternative ways of betting this thing. And I don't think it's offered in Vegas. If it's not offered for golf, it's not going to be offered for NASCAR. But, you know, in the legal U.S. marketplace, you can bet top fives. And you can bet, you know, some top – I think it's top three and top five from a prop standpoint with these drivers. So those are always options here too. And and that's the nice thing is, you know, we've got a lot of different sets of odds out there, not only to shop around for the best prices, but also to bet these things in an alternative way where – you know, you do make something if your guy finishes second. Well, they offer these group matchups as well. I mean, I'm saying, okay, I'm taking a shot. I think Kislowski among the crew of the Harvick, Hamlin, Truex crew, Kislowski's not even in that group. I mean, the guy he's going against is Logano. It's, it's Kislowski in a group matchup against Larson. Logano and Kyle Busch is plus 265. I'll definitely take a chunk of that. What's wrong with it? I mean, you know, we'll sit there and everybody go, oh, man. Yeah. I had that football team. You know, I had them on the money line. Right? They're plus 265. You know, you think you're Einstein, right? It's like the horse racing mentality. Horses eight to five. And people, well, I'm going to try to beat them. Why? You know, I mean, you bet 110 to win 100 in a football game that's minus three. That's a coin flip but you're sitting there trying to beat a horse that's a plus money when you know he can win. Well, you've got a couple shows coming up this afternoon, Sportsbook Radio being one of them, and I will join you for a, a shorter segment today than what we usually do on Tuesdays. You also have Vegas Hockey Hotline, and I would presume during today's show, it may come up that 
Sidney Crosby, some breaking news here while we were recording the show. Sidney Crosby on the COVID protocol list for the Pittsburgh Penguins will not play tonight against the Flyers. Well, there you go, man. This is the world we live in. And by the way, you know, we talked on a Monday or Tuesday when we taped that week. I was saying it prior to that, that the sun's going to be a factor in Lake Tahoe. <laughs> like they, they didn't even think it was going to be anything. And it, it sent the whole thing upside down. I'm sitting here. I'm telling you, Adam, the clock's ticking. No one's saying anything about this down the road. What happens when you get to the playoffs and all of a sudden, okay, you play out of the North Division and Edmonton wins the North. What's going to happen then? Has anybody talked about this? I mean, what is going to happen then? If you can't cross the border and say they're playing Vegas or Colorado, they're, they're going to come to where they going to do, play all seven games in Vegas where fans are down here. It's not fair to them. Then are they going to throw a neutral site rink up? Where What's going to happen with the Canadian teams? We, got to, we still got a little time, but not a lot of time. And no one's talking about what happens when you get to the playoffs and Canada finally has that team that's in the semifinals. Where the hell are they going to play? Yeah, I don't know. Definitely a lot of questions to answer on the NHL side for sure. I think we answered some of the questions, at least as far as tonight and tomorrow's cards go, while also talking about golf and NASCAR here on the show with Brian Blessing. Again, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And what's the best way for people to find those two shows, Brian? Uh, Probably the most simplistic way, Adam, is at Brian Blessing. We get all the links out for you. Uh, But we're on Sirius Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network, from 2 to 4 Eastern. You'll be on with hour number one. Vinny Maliula will be with us. Uh, hour number two, Tony Neville uh, will be part of the fun. So we get the odds makers, sportsbook directors, and guys on the other side of the counter, too. It's always good fun. And uh, we do Vegas Hockey Highland. If you're a hockey fan, I think you'll uh, enjoy the show. We have great guests from around the hockey world. That's at one Pacific, KSHP.com. And we do all kinds of stuff. If you're, you're into the hockey, do a fun hockey betting podcast with Cam Stewart, who's uh, – hysterical we really do dive into it and love doing this with you have so much fun with him as well and you can get that the hockey betting podcast.ca uh invite you to check that out but all of it's basically available on twitter at brian blessing well, make sure you check out our ats youtube page as well some videos coming from brian for this week and then also coming up here on sunday some videos for some college basketball conference tournaments brian always a pleasure man thank you so much for joining me really appreciate it we'll talk to you again here on the show next week All right, but well, I'll talk to you later this morning. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. You definitely will. There you go. There's Brian Blessing. And make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Brian Blessing. Great segment there. Always a lot of fun chatting with him. Coming up on Wednesday, we'll talk some college basketball, some conference tournaments, some Big Ten regular season, and take a look at the UFC card with Kiev O'Neill from the Odds Breakers. Should be a lot of fun chatting with him as well. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.